Got your Bible, turn over to Galatians chapter 5 this morning, Galatians chapter 5. This morning, I, again, we want to try to end just a shade early if we can this morning. I don't want to rush with the Lord, obviously, but I want to try to make sure that we're ready for our visitors that will be in here uh, between the services this morning for Patriotic Sunday. And uh, that would be wonderful. Galatians 5, Church, I mean, we're, uh, we've gone through uh, the different sections of the, of the scriptures as far as the Old Testament. Uh, we did uh, 30 lessons on the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. The next section of books is what we call history. That was Joshua through Esther. The next set of books is poetry, which is Job through uh, Song of Solomon. And then we are right now, or I should say we just finished our last section of books, which was the major prophets. It's good to know those sections for your, just for your own Bible knowledge, but the major prophets. And again, uh, we looked at those uh, together, five books of the Bible. The last section of books is 12 books, and it's the minor prophets. And... Um, I'm going to take a break from that. Uh, the minor prophets is not deep, but at the, at the same token, uh, the major and minor, sometimes they kind of just flow together. But I want to uh, take uh, just a, these last, I should say, nine weeks, but uh, the nine fruit of the Spirit is what we're going to look at and uh, do this for our lessons until the end of the year. And the Lord permitting, at the beginning of the year, we'll try to finish up the Old Testament and do those minor prophets, what, what the game plan is. Um, <clears throat> Uh, the noise that you're hearing is not rain on the roof, all right? If you're hearing it, I'm hearing it. Uh, but it's the baptistry. They cleaned it uh, for me, and then uh, we forgot to get it filled. So uh, we've got one being baptized today, so we're going to uh, try to get it filled this morning. So it's going to feel like you're in a waterfall the whole time we're in service this morning. But, hey, they used to meet outside, so, what, what, hey, this is not bad, all right? Besides, it just gives us that feel of country, air, and woods, and... We need now some birds chirping. Don't get any ideas, all right? But uh, anyway, so and then we'll just let that thing run, and we should be okay. So, Galatians 5, let me just say a couple of words. We'll pray and then look at this together. Church, I mean, this message this morning and what we're going to look at these, nine, uh, these next few weeks are so important to our Christianity. I wrote a series of books uh, for Christian growth. The first one was called Grow in Grace, and believe it or not, the second one was called Fruit of the Spirit. Uh, the third one was add to your faith. The fourth one uh, was the armor of God. And then the fifth one was ye shall be witnesses. There are key things to the Christian faith that I think that are important that God really specifies. You know, we talk about, you know, there's three points to this message. God specifically gave nine graces or nine character traits that should overflow as fruit from a spirit-filled life. And so these are, these are important for all of us. Now, we're not going to start with the first one. Obviously, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. We're going to look at each one of those, of how those things should be evident in our life. But I want to start that series of lessons with just the fruit of the Spirit and talking about being a Spirit-filled Christian, what the Lord does to cause that to happen in our life. So we'll look at these together. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the church family and them coming out for a Sunday school hour. And um, Lord, thank you for the priority of church and Lord, the benefit of coming to your house. And Lord, I know we don't come for people, we come for you. And Lord, just ask you to speak to us today. Lord, draw us closer to you. Lord, thank you for Patriotic Sunday. Thank you for the civil servants that have taken time out of their schedules to come. I ask you to please help us to be a blessing to them. Lord, show us what to do there. And Lord, if there's someone lost, it doesn't matter if they're a visitor, civil servant, or even a church member that just does not put their faith or understood or Lord, uh, just did what they're supposed to as far as accepting your son, help that to happen today. And uh, Lord, may you be evident. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Church, I mean, Galatians chapter 5, uh, there's several uh, passages uh, that we could talk about. Let me, let me say a couple more things quickly here, first of all. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. What do we refer to them as? We refer to them as the Trinity, okay? 
Now, church family, I want to tell you there are religions that like to condemn Christianity to say that we're polytheists because that poly means many, that we, have, that we serve many gods. Church family, we serve one God, all righty? And, and Jesus was very clear during his earthly ministry that the three of them are one. Uh, there are religions that would like to say that Jesus was not God, yet Jesus was the Son of God, all righty, who came to take away the sin of the world, and he took away our sin, all righty? So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are, are one, and God, we're his children, if you're saved, you're a believer, you became a child of God, God wants us to live like him or be like him, but yet, unfortunately, we were adopted. Are you all with me this morning? All right. My son Seth was going over to Lansing this morning to play piano over there. And my wife caught him on the way out of the house and said, son, you know, people are going to look at you and you're, you, you need to be dressed up, up, not just dressed. And uh, he did not quite understand that. Uh, and so there's certain things you just kind of explain as your kids get older. But anyway, I won't talk about how retarded any things can be. But anyway, <laughs> as far as our children go... But the, the thing is, is just like I have two children that are adopted and then I, we, God has given us six, all of us are adopted into God's family and you do not think the same. Um, my adopted children, and please don't condemn me for what I'm saying, I, I've experienced what I've experienced, okay? My adopted children don't think like me in a lot of areas of life. They're still my children and I love them as, as my children. But they don't think quite the same as I do about a lot of things. Now, if you've never adopted, don't throw stones at me this morning. Uh, but I will say this, they're still mine. And they will always be mine. And no matter what my adopted children or my birth children think of me, I'm still their father and I still love them. Are, are you with me so far? Now, with that said, I wish you could put yourself in their shoes this morning. All right? You've heard me give the illustration. I'm going to take this one step farther if you don't mind. You've heard me of the illustration before that whenever I would travel and come back home, when I would walk in the door, my children were smaller, a lot smaller than then, but when I would walk in the door, the, the adopted kids would just continue on, never come say anything to me, but my birth kids immediately would jump out, up out of their seats, they'd come give me a hug, daddy's home, and because there's a bond there. Now, that, that kind of bond is only between Jesus Christ and God the Father because of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So there's, that's why Jesus could say the father and I are one. All right. Now follow me. All of us, according to the book of Ephesians are adopted into God's family because we were first children of the devil. That's what the Bible says. All right. right. We don't like to say those things, but the Bible said it for you. So you don't have to worry about it. Remember what Jesus said? Ye are of your father, the devil. All right. So church family, we have that sin nature inside of us, that adopted blood that is inside of us, but yet when I got adopted into God's family, he's my father. And I had to love him as my father, but there are some adoptive tendencies that cause me to yield to my old father. What was my old father? That sin nature that came from that old father. Now, I must teach you something else here too uh, about adoption. There are no uh, cookie cutter adoptions, both physically and spiritually. Are you with me so far? What I mean by that is, is that nobody can say, well, if you do this, this, and this, then your adopted family is going to be united or your adopted family is going. You can't do that because there's too many variables. For instance, when you adopt somebody, there's a different bloodline. When you adopt somebody, there's different generational sins that follow the parents of those particular children. When you adopt somebody, the atmosphere of that children's raising 
the indiv- another one, the in- individual uh, responsibility or accountability of the spirituality of the child is different, just like all of our spiritualities are different. So what I'm trying to say is this, is that just like there are so many variables to an adopted child, to their relationship to their parent, there's that many and more different scenarios with a Christian compared to you were adopted into God's family on whether or not you stay true to God or not. Are you all with me so far? All right. So church family, I want to tell you something. Um, you say, well, I love God. You love God because he saved you. You love God because you were adopted into his family. You love God because he first loved you, but you still fight the old adoptive blood that you have inside of you called your sin nature. So how do I overcome the sin nature that's inside of me? Or I should say, how do I try to keep it suppressed from coming out? You walk in the spirit. You allow the spirit to have total control of your life. All right. So a person who is lost has no Holy Spirit inside of them. A person who's never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ does not have the Holy Spirit inside of them. When you accepted Christ your Savior, whether you're young or old, that very moment, the Holy Spirit came and dwelt inside of you. Now, we can't see the Spirit, uh, but there's, the Bible says that we, quench the, we can quench the Holy Spirit. We can lie to the Holy Spirit. We can resist the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's a real person. He's the third part of the Godhead that dwells inside all of us. All right, so how do I act like my, can I use saved and lost? How do I act like my saved family and not like my lost family? All right, that's because your lost family, you were a child of the devil, you were all of us, not just you, but all of us before we got saved did not have a spirit. We had a, a, a human spirit. We did not have a physical, I'm sorry, we did not have a spiritual spirit inside of us. But when I got saved and I got adopted into God's family, the Holy Spirit came and indwells me, but I still have the adoptive blood, that sin nature inside of me. We had a message, I think on last Wednesday night, talking about temptation in our life and how, uh, what does temptation do? Temptation appeals to the lust and then the lust appeals, uh, does sin and then sin causes death. But that lust is that desire inside all of us to do that what's forbidden. Now, I want to tell you something. If you say today, well, pastor, I never desire to do wrong, well, then you just lied, okay? You just appealed to your lust, all righty? Because all of us have a desire to do wrong. I'm not trying to discourage everybody this morning. You know, there's no hope. We're all sinners. I can't get rid of this desire until I get to heaven. I'm also going to shoot myself, all right? Don't do that, all right? I don't think that's a very good idea. But what I'm trying to... What I'm trying to get you to think about is that inside of you is that uh, Satan, sin, there's that part of you that still wants to do wrong, but there's that part of you that wants to do right. The part that wants to do right is the spirit of God that dwells inside of you. The part that wants to do wrong is still that lust that is part of our sin nature inside of all of us. The reason there's no perfect Christians is because we're all dealing with the adoptive blood. We're all dealing with that lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life that still dwells within us. So what is the fruit of the spirit? The fruit of the spirit is basically what comes out of fruit of the, what's the word? Talk to me now, the fruit of the, I'm sorry. Our lessons are gonna be on the fruit of the spirit. All right, now you've got the answer. I'm gonna ask the question again, all right? Wow, all right, here we go. You all didn't do very well in school, I don't think, all right? All right, so what comes out of us should be fruit of the spirit. spirit. 
Now, so this is what this chapter is talking about. Either you're yielding to your sin nature, your old nature, or you're yielding to your new nature, which is your spiritual nature. All righty. Now look what the Bible says, Galatians 5. You got your Bible there. Let's pick it up in verse number 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not, what? All right, now church family, 10, 10 times in chapter 5 and chapter 6, 10 times the word flesh is used, 10 times the word spirit is used. And that's what Paul is dealing with here. Now, I don't have time to teach the whole chapter this morning. He's talking about being a legalistic, legalistic as far as allowing the law to take over uh, instead of grace. And then now he's going to deal with flesh and spirit. All right. In other words, we serve God because of grace. We serve God because of the spirit that dwells inside of us. All right. Look at verse seven, 16 again. This, but this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, verse 17 and, uh, is going to give us. I'm sorry, let me go a little farther first. I'm sorry. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. All right? Now, church family, think about this here. I always say that there's two do's in this passage here, okay? I think sometimes people get the do's, D-O's, confused. But this first do just means to do, means to do it, to make or do is what it's talking about. And he says that you would not do the things that ye, what's the word? Would, all right? In other words, what I want to do, I shouldn't do, all right? Are you with me so far? But sometimes I do what I shouldn't do, all right? Why? Because I have flesh and I have spirit. Now look what he says next here in verse number 18. But if ye be led of the spirit, you're not on the law. Now, verse 19, the works of the flesh. So now he's going to tell us, these are some things that are flesh or works that we would like to do or that we do. All right, here's what he says. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, now, that's not being faithful to the marriage bed if you're married. Fornication, that's intimacy before marriage. Uncleanness, that can be either mind and body. Lasciviousness, uh, again, is lustful thinking or desires for the wrong. Idolatry, putting anything before God. Witchcraft, hatred, uh, variance, talking about lack of self-control, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, talking about quarrels, debating one another, envies, wanting what somebody else has, uh, murders, drunkenness, revelings, revelings is division, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which, here's the other do, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Hey, I want to say this here because some people get confused about the two do's, and this is what, you know, and this is why I say this. If you read the second do, that means anybody that commits those sins, they're going to hell. That's what that verse is saying, because the last part of verse number 21 says that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom of God. It's interesting that the two do's have a different Greek meaning, even though it's got the same English word. And the reason for that is because a Christian can commit adultery and still go to heaven. Church family, if you don't believe that, then what you're saying is it takes works to get saved. For by grace are you saved through, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works. All right, so when we talk about adultery and fornication and uncleanness and lasciviousness and idolatry, and he goes through all these different works of the flesh, if you do those things, the Bible says, well, you're not going to hear the kingdom of God, but you have to understand the meaning between those two do's. The first do means to do. In other words, I did that, not the second one. The second one actually means this. All right, I'm going to quote you the definition if you don't mind. It's real short. But the definition of the second do is means to practice or to perform repeatedly. You know, I want to tell you something. There are some people you look at their life and they claim to be born again, but they're living in a homosexual 
lifestyle and not ashamed of it and talk about it. And church, I mean, I'm using that as one illustration. It doesn't matter if it's adultery. It doesn't matter if it's homosexuality. It doesn't matter what the sin is. But the idea is if you're a child of God and you do that sin, there's something inside of you that says, hey, you're, you're my child. You shouldn't be acting that way. But if you can practice and perform repeatedly these types of sins that are called the works of the flesh and there is no remorse, you know what the Bible's saying? You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. There is no way for you to, listen, there are people that say, they say, I'm a practicing homosexual and I'm going to heaven, all right? Just remember, you cannot be a practicing homosexual and go to heaven because the Bible says if you practice repeatedly or you do these types of sins, God says you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Can a Christian commit sodomy yes but there's a big difference between doing a sin and having no remorse that you practice a sin repeatedly again and again and again and again and again and you don't care about it all right that's just for me follow me now by their fruits ye shall some of you look at me a little strange this morning and i'm and maybe it's just because you're maybe i'm not making it clear this morning but understand let me just make this statement okay you don't know if a person's saved the only way we know if a person is saved is they tell us, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? We are also not fruit inspectors to determine whether somebody's saved or not. God's the one that determines this, not us, all right? But what I'm trying to get you to see is this, is that Paul makes it very clear that if you're walking in the Spirit, you're not going to practice these things repeatedly. You're not going to continue. Okay, you might do a sin, you might do a sin, but you are not going to practice repeatedly these types of sins because if you are, that means you have no spirit of God inside of you. That's what he's teaching here. Look what he says next now. All right. Next thing, verse number 22. But, so verse 19 works the flesh. Verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And of course he uses against such there is no law because in the first part of the chapter he's talking about people who are trying to obey the law for salvation. He says, against such there is no law. These things are going to happen naturally. There's not a law that you have. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. There's not something you have to show love if you're going to get to heaven. That's what he's talking about here in the chapter. But what he is trying to say is love is going to be evident because of the fruit of the Spirit. All right? So if I'm walking in the Spirit, then I'm going to have that fruit. Now, Church I'm going to do, again, trying to do my best to end early this morning. But I want you to understand this morning, and some of these things you've heard me say before, but I want to just take a moment and really make this clear, all right? If you're saved this morning, say amen. amen. Then you have the Spirit of God inside of you. Well, then why do I do what I do? Isn't that always the question? Yes. The answer to why we do what we do is because I'm either living in the flesh or I'm living in the Spirit, all right? Quickly, let me show you, first of all, do one more thing. I'm going to teach you two more things, really, if I can. But I want you to, first of all, see the very elementary thing. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, if, we're going to just look at them real quickly here, all right? You have heard me say from the pulpit before that walking in the Spirit, I'm sorry, being filled with the Spirit is being filled with what? The Word of God, all right? Let's look at the Scripture to show that that's the proof of this. Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with what? All right, Matthew, you saved this morning? When did you get saved, Matthew? Wow, you remember exactly where you're at too then. So you accepted Christ that day and the Holy Spirit came inside of you. Matthew, when you got saved, you got the third head of the Godhead to come inside of you. When you, when, on that day on the bus, on going to Washburn, I think you said, um, 
did you just get the Holy Spirit's arm or his foot or his eye? Or did you get all of the Holy Spirit? He did, you did. Now, what do you say? The Bible just said be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit does not mean more, getting more of the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit means the Holy Spirit has more of you. Amen. People get this, thing, whole thing, this whole thing confused. Church, I mean, I didn't get the foot of the Holy Spirit when I got saved. I got all the Holy Spirit I'm going to get. But my problem is if I'm, not, if I'm not filled with the Spirit, the Spirit doesn't have all of me. All right? Look what he says next here. There are three proofs of being filled with the Spirit. If you'll notice in your Bible, there's no period at the end of the word Spirit in verse 18. There's no period at the end of verse 19. There's no period at the end of verse 20. There's, and the period is at the end of verse 21. This is all one sentence. But be filled with the Spirit. What's the first evidence of being filled with the Spirit? Look at verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in what? Psalms and hymns and singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Just remember, I know it's Sunday school hour and I know it's the first, and you're just, you maybe haven't been up a super long time, but you ought to sing. You ought to sing during Sunday school, not so that we can have noise in the auditorium. It's because it's an evidence that the Spirit of God is in control of your life. I just want to tell you by personal testimony, there are times I don't want to sing. And I can also give you by personal testimony, the time I don't want to sing is when I'm not filled with the Spirit of God. Did you ever catch yourself that you ever catch yourself singing in the shower or singing on the way to work or just all of a sudden just singing because you're walking down the road? Can I tell you what that really is? All right, some of you say, I don't sing at all. All right. Can, can I just tell you what prompts us to sing is being filled with the Spirit. The more the Spirit has of you, the more you want to praise Him. All right. Look at the second thing he says, another evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Verse 20, this is all same sentence. Giving what? Thanks always for all things. Oh, I can't believe God's doing this for my life. Hate to tell you that's a warning flag. You're not filled with the Spirit of God. Amen. You know, giving thanks for all things. God, thank you that I'm sick. I took the kids on a uh, nature hike the other day in the school. I, took them, I, just, I went on a nature hike, went over to Clinton Park. I got chigger bites all over me. I've been itching my legs and my arms and all over. I'm thinking to myself, why did I take these kids on a nature hike? But you know what? You're supposed to thank the Lord for chigger bites. Amen. You know, it's for me, it's chigger bites. For you, it's something else. I don't know what's biting you, but I mean, there's, or eating you. But anyway, you should thank God for what he brings into your life. You know why? Because that's, a, that's an evidence that the Spirit of God has control of me. All right? Look what else he says here. Verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, he's going to talk about what the submission is in the rest of the chapter, but it, the sentence ends there, but it really starts a new thought, submitting yourselves one to another. What does he mean by that? The first person is supposed to be submissive is verse 22. Who's the first person? The first word in verse 22 is what? The second person, verse 23, for the what? Husbands. The first person, first word, chapter 6, verse 1. Who is it? Children. Children. The first word... In, uh, in verse 5 of chapter 6 is who? The third word in verse 9 of chapter 6 is who? Okay, so he's going through a list of people who are supposed to submit to who's God placed in your life. I've had people sit in service before and they frown at me. All righty. And I don't think it's because they're having a rough day. They frown because they're not willing to submit to the authorities in their life. I'm talking about the pastor. I'm talking about whatever authorities God's placed in their life. They're just grumpy. All righty. I want to tell you something. The evidence of being filled with the Spirit is that you, that word submit means to put yourself under. Alrighty? The two boys that just went away to uh, the Marines, okay? They're not going to have any choice but to put themselves under. Because if you don't, you're out. Hey, can I just tell you something? As Christians, 
we're the ones that put ourselves under. So what is that? That's an evidence of being filled with the Spirit, all right? Now, you saw all those three, right? Verse number, nine, uh, verse number uh, 18, last phrase, but be filled with the Spirit. What's the first evidence? Singing. What's the second evidence? Verse 29. I'm sorry, excuse me, verse 20. I'm going glass on. Verse 20, giving thanks. What's the third evidence? Verse 21, submitting yourselves. Now, the mirror passage, you've heard me say before, but let's look at it. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. The mirror passage of this, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Look at chapter number 3. Family, chapter, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says that the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Look at the first thing. Verse 16, teaching and admonishing one, uh, one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Does that, do you remember that verse from anything? That's the first evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Look at the next one. Verse number 17, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving what? That's the second evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Now, just remember, the third evidence in this passage here does not say the word submitting, but what's the first word in verse 18? First word in verse 19. First word in verse 20. Verse, verse 21? Verse 22. First word, chapter 4, verse 1. All right, now, is it just me or do all of you see the same thing that I see? This is a mirror passage to Ephesians chapter 5. Would we agree? The only difference is how it started. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18, but be filled with the Spirit. I'm sorry. Uh, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Right? That's what it says. All right? Look at chapter, uh, Colossians chapter 3. What's the difference? Verse 15. I'm sorry, verse 16. Forgive me. Colossians 3, 16. It, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You have heard me say before again and again, and I just wanted you to see it with your eyeballs, is that being filled with the Spirit is synonymous with being Scripture filled. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, does that not make sense to you in the sense that uh, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God and the Word. So the more Scripture I put in, the more of Christ I put in. Does that make sense? Now, it all goes back to you. How many was with me on Wednesday night? You were here Wednesday night? How many remember the uh, Brother Fellow you was standing up here, and then I had the two little boys. One was in a black robe, and one was in a white robe. You remember that? Okay. The black robe represents the, represents the flesh. The white robe represents the Spirit of God. All right? Which one you feed the most is the one that's going to be in control. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The more scripture I put in, the more spirit filled, the more the white robe fellas has control of my life. I want to tell you something. I know it is so elementary and so basic, but we as Christians don't think anything about it. You notice the Bible says, but be filled with the spirit. What is this called? I have my hand. Called a funnel. All righty. Now, when you are putting oil in your car, some people use a funnel. Am I correct? Some of you do, some of you don't. All right, so a funnel. Now, I would guess that when it's time to put oil in your car, this is what you do. You take the big end and put it where it's coming out, and you take the oil that you're putting in, you put it in this little narrow part right here. Is that how that works? No, you're going to have a mess if you try that. All right? You turn this thing this direction where the wide mouth catches the oil coming in, and the narrow little piece at the other end is going into your car. Am I correct on that? Okay. This is what so many Christians do in their Christian life. You are affected by what you see and hear. Only what you see and hear affects this. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth. Okay, the only way it gets to there. Now again, the scripture is not talking about the organ that pumps your blood. It's talking about your mind. But the only way to get things inside of here is by what you see and what you hear. Now here's where most Christians are. This is what they do. They get this wide spout 
of allowing a lot of stuff in and they think that it's going to be okay in their life. I just want to tell you as a Christian, this is how it should be coming in. We should narrow what we allow in instead of just letting everything come in. You ever notice the, the Bible talks about training our children? It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. You know what that word tra train actually means? It means to narrow. If a child gets to do whatever they want, they're going to get in trouble. If I said, kids, today's yours, whatever you want to do, do you think they're going to go to school? Do you think they're going to get up at a decent hour? Okay, your kids have more character than mine. Mine are not. You think they're going to eat healthy that day? I guarantee you all three meals will be ice cream. Now, I'm just trying to tell you that as, as parents, uh, train up a child means to narrow. We narrow what comes into them instead of allowing whatever. Church, can I tell you something, spiritually speaking? When it comes to flesh and spirit, you can't just let anything in. You have to narrow it. I almost got a coffee. I almost put coffee in here this morning. I said almost. You know, the bad thing about coffee, the smell permeates the room. All right? How many coffee drinkers in here? Raise your hand. All right? There's some, you like it. You know, that probably would have made your day. You just stayed, stayed away. Just. <sighs> but you know the funny thing about coffee is this. I'm talking about a regular coffee maker, and I don't know how to make coffee, but I've seen it enough. They take coffee grounds put it in a coffee filter then they run hot water in it am i correct so far okay i don't know i'm, I'm hoping i'm correct the coffee filter keeps the grounds from getting into the coffee but you have to have a filter how many of you would drink the coffee if we had no filter okay for the coons you you're the type of guy that would do that all right he probably chews on it during the service i love that coffee ground mr folgers himself I want to tell you, I don't know about you, I don't even like to taste the coffee, but I can't even imagine drinking it with coffee grounds. Hey, can I tell you something? There's a lot of Christians, that's what they are, they're coffee grounds. And you know why? Because there's no filter. Do you know what your filter is? It's the Spirit of God. Amen. That's what filters the flesh. Because you know what? I like the flesh. I like to do what my sinful side of me likes to do. The only thing that filters that is to walk in the spirit and the spirit of God filters that so that the flesh does not come out in the actions of us as Christians, all right? I'm gonna close with this and I really didn't mean to go this long, but I want you to remember Romans chapter number eight and I'll try to close with this passage. Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight. Just remember this, Paul again, talking about to the Romans, but he's talking about flesh and spirit. Verse one, there's therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ. In other words, we're not condemned to die. Uh, to go to hell, we're saved. There's no condemnation in Christ. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the what? Spirit. All right. Pick it up, verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So I'm supposed to walk after the Spirit. Look at verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do, what's the word? Mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Talking about those that are the Spirit, mind the things of the Spirit. Verse 6, for to be carnally, what's the word? Minded is death, but to be spiritually, what's the word? is life and peace because the carnal, what? Is enmity against God. Verse eight, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Trisha made the word mind in verse five, minded twice in verse six, the word mind in verse seven. Can I tell you what it means? It means to interest itself in, to set affection on, and where we would say the last definition, to think. 
Even a child is known by his, known by his doings. Even a Christian, his doings show whether or not he is living in flesh and spirit. Flesh, if we put all fleshly things in. That's why it's not good to just watch anything on television. That's why it's not good just to turn the internet on and just fish. You know, one of the things I'm glad that I, I stopped watching the news, I, I, mean, now, I mean, ever since two years ago, whenever the election took place, it, it was affecting my spirit and preaching, so I stopped listening. I, watched, I don't watch the news. And I, I know, I don't, honestly, I don't like that. I like to know what's going on in the world. Um, it, I think it helps me, and I think it helps the church to a degree. But at that time, I just thought, I just, I just can't do this because it makes me so angry to listen to liars on the, on the news. They just lie. But you know one thing that's really helped me? Even the conservative news place all have commercials. Have you noticed that before? And when you're trying to watch the news, do you know how many pop-ups come up that just aren't fit for a Christian to follow or to read? You ever notice the things that people follow the most are things that have to do with Hollywood or this person and their marriage and this person in their new uh, clothing lineup? And, you know, all of that stuff has nothing to do with the news but has everything to do with our flesh. So I can't have a big filter of just, okay, whatever comes in, you know, I think I can handle as a Christian. I need to have a narrow one of putting spiritual things in so that spiritual things come out. And what is, how does that happen? The word mind or minded. I think about fleshly things, I do fleshly things. I think about spiritual things, I do spiritual things. Oh, it's not going to hurt my kids to sit down and watch a cartoon that really portrays disobedience to parents and portrays, you know, the worldly train of thinking. I want to tell you, I, I am so of all, I know I have to quit. I, I, it's just me, but I, I'm going to say it, okay? Our society is programming people that sodomy is normal. They're programming them. They did a statistics here just recently and, and asked people if they thought uh, homosexuality was wrong, and 33% of people said it has nothing to do with morality. One in three Americans that has nothing to do with morality? It's just what I'm trying to get you to think about this morning is it's important what we think about. I don't have to know what the world thinks about all these different things. I want to know what God thinks about things. So guess what? I need to walk in the Spirit. If I walk in the Spirit, I get filled with the Spirit. If I'm filled with the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, all those things are going to come out. But the only way it's going to come out is by what I think about. Thinking feeds either spirit or flesh. So the question is, which one are you feeding? Or let me ask you this way, which one are you minding? What do you see, what do you hear on a regular basis that cause you to have the spirit-filled life? Would you mind and close your eyes this morning?